This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Francis can't help himself. I mean, he really, really likes to go after traditional Catholics. He does it with every opportunity, while heresies are not only being preached in the open, but organizing around heresy is being advertised in Catholic publications and scripture misappropriated to promote error. It's a remarkable thing, really, until you realize that Francis is on the side of error, not on the side of the actual Catholic faith. Today, I have for you the sad statements Francis made recently about traditional Catholics, framed with another story, one where the cardinals of the church are openly talking about how the church has been changed into something new. Yes, they've said that. It's all really rather bizarre, so let's dive into this. First, I wanted to thank the patrons and channel members for their continued support of Return to Tradition and the work I do here. It is greatly appreciated. For like a dollar a month, they keep the work going here, and they get early access to weekend material, the occasional bonus material exclusive to patrons, including links to things that I do offline, like some radio appearances like the one I had yesterday, and the like. If you want to join in helping out, there are links in the description box below. Your help is greatly appreciated, especially in these weird times that we're in. Enough of that, though. On to our story. I wanted to start by checking with Francis beatifying the September Pope, John Paul I, who reigned on the throne of Peter for just over a single month before he died, fueling all sorts of hypotheses about what actually really happened to him, some of which would later be featured in the abysmal movie The Godfather Part Three. Yes, that movie is widely considered to be terrible, but it has a lot of interesting things about the papacy in it. And I'm starting here because Francis, as usual, can't help himself. At every opportunity when the world is watching, he has to attack traditional Catholics. Such as, quoting Francis, who is speaking about John Paul I here, quote, How beautiful is a church with a happy, serene, and smiling face. A church that never complains or harbors resentment, does not grow angry or impatient, does not look dour or suffer nostalgia for the past. End quote. He can't help himself. He really can't. Every opportunity must be taken to dunk on the trads. And don't get me started on John Paul I. Before he was Pope, he did some pretty questionable things that included some rather overworking against the teachings contained in Paul VI's Humanae Vitae. Didn't have time to do much bad as Pope, given that he was Pope for only about a month. Needless to say, Francis has now canonized pretty much the entire Second Vatican Council era, despite this period of church history being an unmitigated disaster. The data doesn't lie. All metrics across the board, sacramentally speaking, are down. As Catholic Sat said, on, said about this on Twitter, quote, it's incredible to think that over the last 60 years, the church has experienced a golden age where she has only been guided by saintly pontiffs, end quote. And yes, it is incredible. So incredible that it's not credible. But I digress. But then there's also this. Francis was also at the same time echoing the American Caesar's creepy speech on national television the other night. You know, with the weird red backdrop and all the kind of weird symbolism. And of course, let's not forget the overtly authoritarian tones that 
so bad it was that they actually had to walk back the speech a bit after they found out that independence found it more than a little off-putting. Francis echoed that speech with this, which Father Zietz on his blog suggests was a dig at the previous American head of state. Quote, the same thing happens today at times of personal or societal crisis when we are especially prey to feelings of anger or we fear things that threaten our future. We become more susceptible and thus on the tide of emotion, we look to those who can shrewdly take advantage of the situation, profiting from society's fears and promising to be the quote unquote savior who can solve all its problems. Whereas in reality, they are looking for wider approval and greater power based on the impression that they make their ability to have things in hand, end quote. You know, it's almost as if the American Caesar and Francis have coordinated messaging. And he did that in the same speech he, that he made his digs at traditional Catholics in, almost as if he's wanting to lump us all in together. To be fair, there's a huge amount of overlap. So it's an e easy thing to do, lumping in together the pre, you know, supporters of the previous American head of state and traditional Catholics. But it does kind of make you wonder, what is the end game here? Every summer at this time, we get told that Francis's papacy is over, that he's going to retire and step down, all of it. And every year it turns out to not be true. One of these years it's going to be true, but so far so it doesn't look like it's going to be true this year, despite some weird rumors about that. Oddly, the National Catholic Reporter picks up on this and actually says something that I actually agree with, at least in the most vague sense of agreement, because they say a lot of stupid things here. But the overall point is this, that Francis isn't done. He's just entering the next phase of his time running the church. It's always a good idea to check in with your adversaries and your opponents in terms of worldview to see what they're saying, because often they'll tell you what they really think and want to do. With that born in mind, let's check this out. Headline from National Catholic Reporter. Pope Francis's tenure isn't over. In fact, themes of his pontificate are now starting to gel. Francis is just getting started, folks. And now that the themes of his influence on the church are starting to gel, it's time to build something. And what is that something? Well, my hypothesis for several years here, the entire time I've run this channel, is that he's building the ape of the church. At least that's what Catholic prophecy calls it. Fulton Sheen called it the same thing. They probably call it something like a new, new springtime in the church, now with more springiness. Anyway, from the article, quote, While in Rome this week, I, meaning the author, spoke with a number of visiting cardinals and curial officials. All agreed that speculation that Pope Francis's tenure is coming to its end is misplaced. But there was a sense that the papacy has entered a new phase, in which the Holy Father and the Roman Curia are looking to consolidate the reforms. Yes, consolidating the reforms. The consolidation is focused on the central ecclesial themes of the pontificate. Discernment, encounter, accompaniment, emphasizing the mercy and tenderness of God, the revival of pastoral theology, synodality, how to care for creation, and how to engage rather than confront secularization. How's that worked out for us, folks? These themes are taking root, and even those cardinals and bishops who were once skeptical are embracing the Pope's ideas. One guard cardinal who in 2015 gave what a synod father said was a, quote, finger-wagging speech to the Pope, telling him that he couldn't do what he thought he could do regarding communion for the divorced and remarried, this time gave a speech commending the Pope and endorsing his reforms of the Roman Curia, end quote. Who was that cardinal? 
the author never tells you, and I'm not really sure, but even the moderate and conservative bishops are falling in line. I mean, that is what is happening right now, which was predictable since they've all forgotten conveniently about their promised follow-up to things like the dubia, their promise to hold Francis to account for the things that he's done, all of it. They've all just kind of stepped back a little bit. It's been swept aside. Sure, some of them say the right things to the press and on videos and things online, but in reality, few, if any of them, will stand up for the truth. You know, and I know it. And it does matter if they act, and they have to tell us what to do. That is more than just reading good Catholic books and the rest of it. Yes, we need to be doing all of that. That's why I put up those videos on the weekends that very few of you watch, because it's important to know the faith and the history of the faith. But we do need something more concrete, because the modernists, well, they're now admitting that they're fundamentally changing the church into something new. From the same article, quote, in conversations with people in different roles, the most consistently expressed opinion was that synodality is changing the way the church is, not just the way it functions. Including what it means to be a pastor and an evangelizer. A bishop is a teacher of the flock, for example. But synodality reminds him in concrete ways that the Spirit of God is already at work in the lives of the flock. A bishop does not drop out of the sky with all the answers. And if he thinks he can, his ministry will be limited, even crippled and pedantic. The diocese may become an extension of his vision, and the people may be obedient, but the diocese will not be alive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The master chose 12 apostles, not one. So the church has never been a univocal thing. That would be news to people who always, to the saints of, our, of old, but anyway. Similarly, cultivating discernment in the life of the church takes more work than simply memorizing the catechism. A, a rote faith may be real, but it will not be well-suited to evangelization. It will only be capable of apologetics. There is a place for apologetics, to be sure, but unless pastoral leaders distinguish apologetics from evangelization, we will continue to drive away five young people for every one we attract. Reducing the faith to a set of propositions is very Kantian. For a sliver of the ambient population, such reduction works, but for millions of other people, it is the tenderness of God, not the theses about God, that attract and stir the heart. Here it is Francis, not his critics, who is most faithful to the resourcement, or return to the patristic sources and scripture that characterized Vatican II. End quote. You know what really attracts young people? The traditional mass, traditional preaching, the traditional sacraments. Just a thought. On the flip side, synodality is changing what the church is. The author of that piece, Sean Michael Winters, is well connected to the Roman Curia. And look, I may not agree with him on much, but I do trust that if he's citing a source telling them these things, and that is an authoritative source, then I trust that they actually did say it. What all this sounds like is a combination of letting the laity change the church and calling it a movement of the spirit and just Vatican II harder, really saying that Vatican II hasn't really been tried yet. So the solution to all of our problems in the present day church is that we need to try to Vatican II just a little harder. And if that sounds ridiculous, it should because it's a ridiculous proposition. But that is what the Synod on Synodality is pushing for a furthering of modernist and even greater breaking with the past than before. Don't believe me? Synodality has brought you this wonderful story. Headline from Religion News. 
She was an early church deacon. Catholic women now want to reclaim her example. On Saturday, September 3rd, 56 pilgrims from four countries will, in this case will have, gathered in Mexico City to celebrate St. Phoebe's Feast Day and consider how they might urge the church to reclaim the diaconate for women. Look, virtually every synodal report is showing that the laity want the ordination of women to be on the table for the church. Among the laity, that's not a controversial point. Synodality makes this possible in a certain sense. Obviously, you can't provide holy orders in the way they want, but the voicing of these opinions without repercussions coming from their bishop, from Rome, anything from the hierarchy is fueled by synodality. We've become a listening church. Since we've long since reached the point where heresy and apostasy from the faith are perfectly acceptable in Francis's new synodal church of the springtime of the new advent, that's the reality we're in. It's a listening church, and they're even willing to listen to error. From the article, quote, On Saturday, September 3rd, Amon and 55 other pilgrims from four countries gather in Mexico City at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe to celebrate St. Phoebe's Feast Day. In the presence of an archbishop, several priests and nuns, and a host of Catholic lay women, the pilgrims will honor the little-known saint who makes a solitary appearance in the New Testament's letter to the Romans as an associate of St. Paul and a female deacon of the early church. Phoebe represents hope and evidence that women have been in service to the church said since the beginning, said Amon. This isn't new. It makes me feel that it can happen in the future. The prayer service, which will be streamed live, will open what discerning deacons call the quote, Year of St. Phoebe, part of a church-wide consultation process known as the Synod on Synodality. The three-year synod process began, began last fall as dioceses around the world collected responses from their individual congregations on how to better structure church life. The bishops of each country are now reporting back to Rome on what they are hearing. As Amon recently learned, until the 12th century, the Catholic Church ordained women deacons. No, the church did not. In his letter to the Romans, Paul introduces Phoebe as a deacon of the church and entrusts her to deliver his letter to the Romans. End quote. What utter nonsense. And it's a gross sin to misuse scripture that way. The church never ordained women. The diaconate they speak of was an assistant position to the priest or bishop to aid them in helping women in ways that just would not be appropriate for men to do. That's it. That's what they did. The modernists are lying about ordination, but they lie about everything anyway, and they're pushing this nonsense very hard right now, which brings me back to Francis. Their claim that we have a nostalgia for the past is not something we really have ever seen. What we want is heresy uprooted and corrected, and when need be, punished. That's the nostalgia that I have anyway, that, that we want the faith taught. We, want, we look to a time when the lukewarm in the pews looked like our trads today by comparison. A time when the Pope spoke, it was safe to listen. A time when your bishop was probably a shepherd and not a ravening wolf. But those times are past. We now live in a time when the best of the bishops resisting the heresies coming out of Rome won't take concrete action of any kind, and many of the better of the bishops have taught heresy themselves. We live in a time of fear in the church. And it's not going to go away or get any better anytime soon. 
So I'll close this out by asking you this. Are you surprised by that claim about St. Phoebe? Are you surprised by Francis being in sync with the American Caesar's creepy speech? Let me know in the comments what you think of all this. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.